Greetings, this is Larry Giles. It is February 16th, I believe, 2021. Since I'm wired and in a good mood, I guess I'll try to read this chapter of The Boy Beside the Woods. It's a short chapter. It deals with... um, When I'm writing... um, Well, when I'm writing this book, one of my primary goals is to capture some of the culture of the area of Essex County in which I grew up during the 50s and 60s. Part of that culture was what I gleaned to be a remnant of some of the superstitions and uh, maybe African practices of voodoo and what have you that uh, still remained in the community. And um, I, I sensed it especially in my stepmother. She often talked about her um, grandmother and... Um, the fortune tellers and palm readers and that type of thing. So uh, I've tried to capture some of that in this chapter. Um, That's about it. I'll read it. I haven't practiced. I just like to read and see what happens. The Superstition. One of the first things I may have been aware of as a child was that people in places were a little strange. They had strange faces and they lived in strange little houses along strange roads. And they even had strange beliefs and actions. But strange as it seems, the idea was also a stranger coming randomly in a dark room and the sunlight with the mule at the well. Sometimes, not at all, my thoughts were empty ghosts, full of the strange world's superstitions. I did not know all the faces. In this respect, my father's second wife was at times a kind of mystery. Not only did she suddenly appear in my life along a dark gate between two or three fields, in daylight before the mimosas scrambling to see her hair. She often kept her head in wraps. Sometimes it was a jumbled bag of curls. At other times, a kind of gnaw her sisters and brothers may have thought was funny. But even though she was as Mary pretty soon after I met her, I was not sure she liked children but I was sure she was superstitious. My grandparents, whom I was rather sure loved children, were also reluctant in regards to her and her marriage to my father. The first marriage to the young new mother, mine, they also liked or loved mostly because my father chose her, had been such a failure, failure, I doubt they welcomed a hurried second from another extremity of the same family. Watch out for them tailors may have been said once or twice, 
or ring you ought to be going way down in there? My grandmother may have had a strange way of hinting to her favorite, but this my father likely strangely ignored. Home from the remote lowlands of Wanju, Korea, and loving at the time mostly cars, he plunged out the gate like headlights looking for earth. Through the dark and far down the long gate past the old-timey juju woman, we went with him with his fedora tipped, my sister and I bobbing up and down like cards on a cardboard box when the deuces are rolling and hot. My youngest brother, a clean saint, would have been bathing in a long, the youngest brother there before the woods. A clean saint would have been bathing in a long tub beside the clapboard house that looked a lot like our grandmother's. The other many siblings, all older teens or older, going here and there through the maze of fishy rooms. We looked and swallowed. I think my father may at first have gone to see the older brother with whom he was friends but the friend's old man may have been a pushy talker and the house kept easing out surprises like old tackle boxes. Affet, you got the prettiest children, the oldest sister smiled, removing the headscarf tied tight around her forehead. That was my stepmother. Suddenly the oldest sister in her best clothes shoes was courting my father. A few times she happened to be at the grandmother's house closer to the road, where the porch light stayed on at least till midnight, and the dark hung around in clouds. There where around six my stepmother fawned over her tobacco-chewing grandmother. We learned of ghosts and goblins and spells that had befallen our little village back through the years. I mean, way back through the years. She or her mother had been a slave, she told us, which bemoaned all her whinings. Bad man been down there on that swamp, she would say, and spit in a coffee jar. The mother, the grandmother, spat in a coffee can by the skinny leg of the table. With 20 hot dollars from my great-grandfather's sawmill, a youth or two would pass through with their snake-eyed dice and ask her or her mama to spit on them. <laughs> she spat on them. She sent the children out on the porch, my sister and I, light still on. The juju woman offered fierceness, fiercely, then rolled the dice and the tobacco spit straight from her wrinkled mouth. We stayed and got though nothing excited my sister. Another boy, not more than 20, would get the juju woman to come out, to come over under the alcove of the stairs. Which don't done put this thing on me, he whispered. I need to practice this, obviously. I wrote it some time back. And the old woman with her head in a rag would escort him by way of a long snake stick to the back room where we couldn't see. A large portrait of an old, old man with a beard could barely look out, and the 
other old man, when we came, stayed mostly upstairs in his room. My stepmother offered us a piece of her grandmother's black moon molasses pudding, but I'm not sure she wanted us to have it because the witch spell had maybe also witched her. On the dirt road in the house on the hill, we ate rather slowly more of the pudding, the black moon pie, the salt fish caught on the full moon maybe before we were born. Them fish gots to stay in there for two more weeks till they gets the whammy on them, my stepmother would say, if she felt like cooking. Stay from that window, she jumped, because when the curtain fall back like that, my grandmama howl say something bad going to happen. I don't remember what happened, but I didn't like living there. Sooner than later, my sister and I may have thought something bad had already happened. Our mama was already gone and with new children, and our home on the dirt road was not... It didn't feel like home. In a year or less, my new mother, my father and sister, and I would live across the field from my mother and her new husband. Even at the new home with our stepmother in the light of day or late evening, the silkwood with their creepy limbs and spiny sick flowers seemed at times to disapprove of rubber balls or happy children. We bounced them. At other times, despite everything that could possibly happen to foreshadow the midnights to come, sometimes she came out to watch us play ball with the boys across the field, Emma Roof's boys, whose mother also believed in black cat bones and tokens, even pregnant. The neighbor's childhood friend was um, very social and wanted to know everything including who ran best and whose child was that and which month was he born in. She looked and wondered, spells in her eyes. Was he a dumb wit like the old man Johnson's boy? One summer after ball and the baby was born was, despite everything, the strangest. She told our daddy, my sister and I, were the most unruly and even stranger. My daddy believed her. Thank you. This piece has uh, a lot of potential, but I need to work on it a little bit. And clearly, I have to practice it. I wrote this um, a good while ago. That's why I'm a little rusty on reading it. But thank you for your attention and have a good evening and day.